and we're off. <laughs> hey everybody, my name is Jake. And this is Kate. And this is We Dealing, the podcast about dealing with the full spectrum of wellness. And we're going to go into destigmatizing what it's really like to be human. And uh, today's episode is about suicide awareness. Yes. So we wanted to open up with a few statistics from uh, the CDC and the World Health Organization about um, suicide in 2020. One of them being the fact that it was the 10th leading cause of death in 2020 and 132 Americans each day died due to suicide. 1.4 million people have attempted suicide at least once in their life in America. And this is all, you know, obviously the United States. 90% of the people who did die from uh, suicide had a diagnosable mental health condition Men died 3.6 times more often than women, but women were 1.4 times more likely to attempt suicide than men. This year, at least. This, yeah, yeah. From, <clears throat> from 2020. And uh, 48,344 people died by suicide in 2020. And over half of those deaths involved firearms or were caused by fi- firearms. Also, 54% of the population of the United States have been directly affected by suicide. And in the world, 800,000 people died last year. And that's basically one person every 40 seconds. 40 seconds. That's pretty, when you think about it. It's insane. In in the span of this podcast, how many people are going to take their lives? Right. And when you look at it like that, it's... It makes it pretty fucking real, for sure. <clears throat> right. Absolutely. And, yeah, right off the bat, um, we just wanted to put out the suicide you know, prevention hotline, which is 800-273-8255. Um, which is a good number to have, you know, for anybody, everybody. It's very easy to Google um, as well. If you ever forget that phone number, we just wanted to give it out to you and... We'll share our own personal experiences about uh, prevention hotlines and so forth. But we also wanted to just mention that we are not licensed um, therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, um, counselors. We're We're purely doing this podcast to share our own personal experiences with our own lives Um, and with solely hoping that, you know, anyone listening can know that they have a safe place to listen and to um, hear, you know, how how we've been able to process things in our life and hopefully help just by talking. So just wanted to make sure you guys knew we weren't licensed. Right. And when we were writing down the numbers um, and like all the statistics and stuff, one of the things that we noticed that, you know, we both have direct experience with suicide attempts and... When we wrote down the hotline number, yeah, neither of us had considered using it. And we were like, well, why was that, you know? So when I attempted suicide, it was 2014, uh, it was May 18th. And mine wasn't premeditated. It wasn't, you know, this long thought out you know, I'm slowly drifting away from my friends. There were no warning signs. There was no way you would have known. And that's kind of 
what made it the most scary was because it happened so fast. One minute I was fighting with my ex, or yeah, my ex, and the next minute I was downing a bottle of sleeping pills because I was just over it. I was done. I didn't want to do it anymore. And I just felt hopelessness and pointlessness. What does it matter, you know? And that's a really fucking scary place to be because <laughs> how do you get out of that place, you know? Yeah. What makes you see your own worth? What makes you see your own value? Especially after, if you've been in a relationship where you're invisible. Right. If you've ever felt like nothing that you did mattered and in fact everything else would be better if you were gone and you yeah. just want to disappear you just want to be invisible you just don't want to exist yeah and it's really fucking scary and it's really hard to get out of that place sometimes after um after you did did it did mm. were you like did you instantly realize you like made a mistake or like maybe that... share with us how it ha- what happened after the fact? Yeah, I mean that was the scary part because <laughs> I just expected you know um well I mean so w- I was finally confronting my my boyfriend at the time who was a narcissist and an addict and a functioning addict. And um he was also, like, the one who had raped me. Like, I was sexually assaulted by this guy, and it was the first time I had ever been with a, a man. And he told me that that's the way it was, you know, that's the way that, that, way that it worked. It was supposed to hurt, all this other stuff. And I stayed with him for two years. I, like, joined the Navy. I was gone in training for seven months. I came back, and within a week, I was already attempting suicide because I finally confronted him with all of my my fears and everything that, you know, I was really struggling with, it was, I finally called him out on all of his bullshit, and yeah. he, and he couldn't, he couldn't stand it, like, narcissists hate it, don't take any they don't take accountability for anything, so he probably made you feel crazy, so he just, he, yeah, he tried to gaslight me, and then he discarded me, he said, I don't love you, get the fuck out of my house, I was living there for two years, you know, it was, it was so traumatizing, you know, well, obviously, like, the PTSD that I had from the rape, obviously, was traumatizing, but, yeah he isolated me from all my friends that's what they did like it was i didn't like my family had left you know a bunch of my family used to live in minnesota and i was still living there and i only had my cousins there we weren't really talking you know my aunt had left who i was really close with my cousin who was like my mom you know she had left and it was it was it was nuts so like you were saying what did what i do afterwards um, well, I'm just wondering, you were in that moment, <clears throat> it was very spur of the moment, yeah. like you said, um, at, as soon as it happened, like, kind of, because it's a process when you're, when it, the pills have to be yeah. digested, a lot of people end up vomiting because you can't digest, so, like, kind of, <clears throat> if you want to tell oh, us totally. what happened. Yeah, it was, it was one of, one of the scariest moments of my life, um, because, I downed all these pills and then I like I locked myself in the guest bedroom when you know <laughs> my ex went to sleep I almost said his name <laughs> and uh and then the shitty thing is I woke up well I mean it, at the time it was shitty but thinking back it was probably the best thing I woke up halfway through and so you tried, passed out and yeah, you woke up. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I actually fell asleep and then I woke up. And the first thing that I noticed was like, 
how well how really it was really really dark um and like more than just you know oh it's dark in this room I was like I couldn't see and the second thing was my stomach it was churning it hurt so bad mm-hmm. it hurt so bad like all of my organs I mean I could feel every one of my organs was freaking out it didn't you know my liver my kidneys yeah and uh and then I try to get up I tried to sit up and it was like somebody was sitting on my chest like my motor functions were going yeah. I could barely move my arms I like were you able to think properly because they they I it was scattered it wasn't yeah. like impossible mm-hmm. but to tell my body to do what I wanted it to do was, yeah, there wasn't the connection, the connection was yeah. like <clears throat> completely fried and so I you know moving my arms was like a mission it took like five minutes for me to get out of bed and then crawl across the floor unlock the door crawl down the hallway and then get to the bathroom, you know? It took everything in me to drag myself up the counter so I could like turn on the light and then look at myself because I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously I, t- <laughs> I t- downed an entire bottle of sleeping pills. I knew it was going on, but with my eyes, I couldn't, I didn't understand. But also you have no idea what to expect when you do. When I didn't think do, I was gonna do. wake up, yeah. Exactly, so then all of a sudden you are and I can only imagine how confusing that probably was. Totally. And you probably thought you did look crazy well I mean like when I looked at myself in the mirror my pupils were dilating at different rates they were like spasming and that's why I couldn't see uh is because they didn't they couldn't focus on anything Uh and so depth perception gets all fucked up totally gone and so I went to I went to go throw up and nothing would come up it was already digested yeah and so I you know crawled back across the living room, or sorry, down the hallway, mm-hmm. and um, to the stairs, and I crawled up the stairs, and I went to my ex's room, and I told him to turn on the lights and take me to the hospital, and he just looked, he like, as soon as he turned on the lights, he looked at me, and he just went, what did you take? Because I didn't tell him, that, like, we need to go to the hospital, but he, as soon as he saw me, he's like, what did you take? Mm-hmm. And... He didn't hold my hand. He didn't look at me. He didn't even speak until we got there. And like, he was so embarrassed for how it made him look. That's how the narcissist And he was like, and he even said, he was like, do you have any idea what this would have done to me? And it was like, you're missing the point here, buddy. Like, you know. Making it about them. Yeah, it was always about him. It was whatever was convenient for him. And I was just a huge inconvenience, you know, and like. Unless you served a purpose at the time. Well, right. right. And like the whole way that I the whole reason that I got to that place is because you know I mean I try to be perfect for him I try to be everything for him because he kept showing me that I wasn't you know he would point out guys that he thought were more attractive at the gym yeah you know these big fucking muscle dudes and I'm you know I I'm just now putting on weight you know and it's been like eight years Mm -hmm. and it's it's crazy to think about because it's like it's I was constantly comparing myself to other people. And I think that was my biggest mistake is I, I wanted to be anything but what I was. Yeah. I hated myself. I fucking hated myself. Yeah. And like, I was never good enough. And that was my biggest insecurity. And that's, that's what led me to suicide is that I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. I'll never look like what he wants. I'll never be what he wants. I'll never be what I want. I don't know what I want. What I want is what he wants. And you just conform to this idea that 
<laughs> everything would be better if you just if fixed it. If you could it. just be dot dot Exactly. Dot, fill in the yeah. blank. It's an it's a it's a cosmic joke ad lib, mm-hmm. you know, like if it's just when or if or, you know. And I feel like so many people in life go through every single day of their lives thinking that if I could just look like her, if I could just yes. look like him or Instagram does that have shit. money or whatever the fucking case may be. If and I could then just you're be happy. constantly wanting something that's probably out of your reach. I'm not meant to look like a Victoria's Secret model. My quads are as big <laughs> as their fucking whole bodies. Right. Like their waist. Like right. It's never, but it's hard when you're in that state of mind, and I've been there, believe me. I, I mean, it still happens to me sometimes, but it is one of the most toxic things you can do to yourself, truly. It is. Like, but the... especially when you're in a narcissistic relationship, which, just to note, or we will have a whole episode, episode on narcissism it. and all of that, but we both have so much experience with it. A lot of what you'll hear will reference these really horrible, toxic relationships we were in because they are pretty life-changing, earth-moving. Well, and, yeah. and, and life-threatening. Absolutely. I mean, I've been with two or three narcissists for sure. Mm-hmm. And one of them, well, <laughs> one of them, you know, I had instances where I was actually being stalked. It wasn't life-threatening but it was still scary the second one was life-threatening you know stole my dog while i was in africa uh like it it was just like wild wild circumstances that we well that's the thing with that that narcissistic personality disorder uh, when you try to explain it to yourself or to anyone else who's never had first-hand experience with it they think you're fucking crazy and that's narcissists prune you and mold you to think that you are fucking condition you to think that it's your fault and you're crazy i mean my my old relationship he had convinced me that i was crazy totally to the point where I was on all the I was on medicine medications that I shouldn't have been which is insane not even like not even just making you feel like you know, you're being gaslit yeah. and like, you, you know, everything that you say is wrong. And how could you, how could you believe that, you know, whatever you've, all these crazy things that they make you think, but the next step further and you were on medication for it, that and altered I, your personality. Absolutely. And I, you know, looking back on it now, we can all say I knew something was wrong and I, people could see it on my face. Everyone who knows me they don't even know the depths of how unhealthy that relationship was, but they could just tell by looking at me that it was not good. And, but I, I wanted to make him happy. I wanted to be whatever I thought was good. I wanted to be healthy. And he was like, he, pers- he like per- showed to the world, like I'm this big buff guy and I'm all about health and, you know, I have the supplement company and yada 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 and he was extremely smart and what you'll find with narcissistic people they're usually in positions of power or they're extremely fucking intelligent so i believed him when he told me that like your heart hormones are probably imbalanced yada 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 and i truly felt that he had my best interest at heart until it started getting it's but they extremely... make you believe it is and it's their best interest always yeah you know i mean for instance I know this is supposed to be about suicide, but we'll I mean, get this back is, to it. Yeah. We'll get back to it. This is, I mean, what part of, 
the things that bring you to that place. I think that's almost more important than just the topic itself is mm-hmm. like, why, why was I there? Yeah. There was a moment, you know, God, there's endless stories about why, how I got there. But one of them was like, uh, we were, you know, obviously we were living together. So one of, we started to get a little nippy, you know, like short fused, but it was mainly because he was cheating and lying. Uh, but he, he suggested, he's like, you know what, why don't you just go, you know, to your cousin's house every Tuesday and Thursday and we'll get some time apart. It's healthy. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. You know? And in a normal relationship that would make sense. But after about, you know, two weeks I came back, I did, I decided not to go and he had a friend over. Yeah. And it was like somebody I'd never met. Some, some guy who was like, you know, maybe he's older than me. He's thicker. You know, he's just a bigger guy. Something you could never be. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so, and he's like, wow, like the whole classic, like, wow, you're home early line, you know, mm-hmm. like, or like what? Like, and he was frustrated. He was angry because I soured his intentions, you know? And they don't like when you, they, you make no, them look you, bad. Yes, exactly. They usually he was embarrassed. Turn violent. Yeah. He was embarrassed. They and don't so like that. he internalizes it. And then he projects it onto me like I've been doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And what's that called? Projection. Gaslighting. Oh, gaslighting. Sorry. Yeah. For people that don't know, when, yeah. when narcissists do something that's wrong or inappropriate and you explain to them what had just happened yeah. and they get mad and turn it around on you and make you feel crazy, that's gaslighting. That's gaslighting. So it was, it was many instances like that. But then, I, you know, two weeks later I find out that uh, he has a message that came up on his Facebook and it pops up and like his computer was open Yeah. and he was in the shower or something. And it was from, a, it was a messenger message from this dude. And like one of the messages before that, it was no, my roomie's out of town on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Like you can t- totally come over. We can play around like, so he called you his roomie. My, like I was just his roomie. I'm yeah. like, I've been dating this guy for like two years. I was just his roomie and, you know, he used the days that I was out of town so he could fuck somebody. Yeah. And multiple people, not just like it was one person. It was like, that was his ruse. Like, that's what he needed for himself. And I would call him out on it and I didn't leave because I felt he made me feel like I needed him. Mm -hmm. That's I relied on him. Like, exactly. It's all the things like you couldn't do this without me. I, I brought you to where you are. You know, like I've been the whole, I've been taking care of you. I've provided a roof over your head. And it's like, I could have lived with friends. I chose to live with you, but those aren't the things that you think about when you're in this relationship. You're like, you're, yes, you're sucked in and you're holding on because usually narcissists are very charismatic. Um, and they're very good at getting people to really like them. So you, if you're in a relationship with someone like this, or a friendship, whatever, you hold on to these profoundly beautiful moments that you remember having with these people because the, those did exist. They really did. But what ends up happening over time is there's more and more toxic and abusive behavior, but then that person's so battered and brainwashed that they're holding out for those moments of good times, which is called love bombing. Mm-hmm. And usually when a narcissist feels like they're losing their little grips on you, They'll swoop in and do something grandiose. Mm-hmm. Everything's cool, baby. I, you know, the world is your ours. Like everything, make you feel like you're this amazing person. 
once they have you hooked again, the next day they're fucked doing whatever the fuck they're doing. Exactly. Again, you know? And it, it makes it so much more challenging because even if, even if you're aware of the cycle of it all, you can still be caught up in it because Absolutely. like when you can call it out. Cause you always hope that that's the last time they're going to exactly. be, or that's the last time they're going to hit you or that's the last time they're going to lie to you. And if you love them, which we, I, I can honestly say that I did love yeah. him. Yeah. That it's hard to not want to want the best for someone. And we're always trying to find the best in people. And so that's why for me, especially is every time something horrible would happen, I thought no more, you're mm-hmm. getting abused. This yeah. is not good or healthy. And then he would be kind of sweet to me. I would be like, Oh my God, he's changed. You know, he's changed for good. Now I can, you know, trust him again. And then it would never fail that that wasn't the case. And I wasn't, and it would just, the cycle would then repeat itself, but it's, it's hard to, to check. It's hard to check yourself in the moment. And I had every, every friend in the world telling me that I was in a really fucked up situation, but I couldn't, I couldn't get myself out. I couldn't jump off the merry-go-round. And you You know, it's interesting. I had this mentor who, who was seeing me at the same time I was in that relationship and she knew all about it. And she saw what it was doing to me. And she's like, Kate, you have to get off the merry-go-round. You you have to get off. Even though it's fun sometimes and the music is good once in a while, it's making it's you sick. It's an amusement park. It's making That's you sick. That's all it is. It looks fun. Yeah. It looks interesting. It looks like... And it draws everyone it's in. It's charismatic. Right? That's the yeah. whole point. That's why they're so smart because they know how to draw people in. Yeah. And but that's the thing, it's like going on a roller coaster. It's fun and it's wild and there's ups and downs, but it doesn't go anywhere. Right. It's not sustainable. Right. You know, you can't exist in that space. I mean, well, plenty of people. Well, you know, it's sad. A lot survive. of people are existing in that space because yeah. they don't understand. I didn't know what the fuck was happening, honestly. Well, well the just, whole time I thought it was crazy and yeah. I, it was abusive, which we'll get into that in another episode, but I didn't understand. I didn't even know what narcissism was until I fled the state to get away from him. And after reading all about it, it was like, holy shit. One in five people they're saying now has, if they're not full-blown narcissistic personality disorder, they have traits of being a narcissist, Mm -hmm. which I can honestly say taking selfies is a narcissistic trait. Okay. But it, it's also what you do with those things. So I think everybody has a form of narcissism within them, but I think that, yes, I think that also on a spiritual level, you know, people are, uh, they're reaching out for something and like the whole, why getting drawn into places like that, places of, of self-seeking or self, you know, um, entitlement or whatever it is, uh, it's from a spiritual lacking place. Like instead of feeling like you can be fulfilled from within, it's seeking outside of yourself and, you know, narcissists like are very good at finding 
empathetic people Mm -hmm. and finding people with like genuine big hearts who like to help other people who are sensitive because they take 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 it's it's prey they prey off of those people and they're called victims because they usually have multiple victims at once which over time they start playing against each other Mm -hmm. which is called triangulation and that firsthand happened to me which we'll talk about some other time but yeah (laughs) so (laughs) but um i was talking about the spiritual lack thing and like just how man i have it in my mind how i want to say it and then it kind of just falls short. The idea is um, with people who have those tendencies, they lack mindfulness is what I was getting to. Yeah. Mindfulness is the word. So if we think about being mindful, it's all about thinking outside of self, thinking about how things would affect other people, right. thinking about how your consequences or how your actions have consequences for everybody, you know, yeah. my, one of my three mantras, my first mantra is, and then what? And I ask myself that in any situation that I feel, you know, comp- potentially compromised in because it forces you to think about the consequences. It forces you to think about relationships with people. Okay. I hang out with this person and then what, what do they offer? Are they sub? Do they have any substance? Are they substantial? Are they matching your frequency? Exactly. Are they, do they like have aligned depth? with what you want in your life? One hundred percent. And you know, sometimes we have to be the good selfish to think about those things. Yeah. Is like, how am I protecting myself? Mm-hmm. Am I telling myself that I'm worthwhile? Am I telling myself that I'm valuable? Yeah. That I have infinite value? That it's not a you know a diminishable source? Mm-hmm. That it's not like when I started to think about my life in terms of sharing energy, I stopped allowing people the, that power over me. Yeah. So like, for instance, you and I are sharing time right now. Yeah. I don't consider it, I'm like, oh, I'm giving anything of mine. I'm like, no, we're sharing it together. It, it's right. a conscious choice that I'm making, you know? Same thing goes with relationships with, uh, as you know, romantic or platonic or whatever it is, or, you know, uh, work, work, your relationship with work, you know, mm-hmm. you're so at some level you're sharing energy. Like you know, you're sharing your energy with the company. The company's sharing their assets with you. Whatever. When it comes to people, I used to think that people would take and take and take and take from me. It's like no, because I was allowing that. Yeah. And once I stopped thinking in that way, I started to think like, oh, I'm sharing this energy. Who isn't? going to be symbiotic with me like if i'm thinking and then what you know it's is this person going to take care of me yeah is this person going to be an asset in my life and like even if it's an emotional asset yeah that's valuable and we have to start thinking about well, those yeah, things there's you have value on everything conscious yeah. choices mm-hmm. of course exactly and it's just it's it's learning yourself enough to say like i'm if you can't if you can't consider yourself a business, right, and say like, what are my core values? What do I believe in? What am I passionate about? You know, what's my mission statement? What's what's my vision statement? If somebody doesn't align themselves with that, if somebody that you're considering to spend more time with doesn't align themselves with those things, then you retract, you pull back. It's not a match. And you can say no. Mm-hmm. And that's why one of my favorite books on this planet and I even got <laughs> yeah. I even got Kate to buy it is called Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and Larry Townsend I believe um, I randomly found it in Barnes and Noble 
uh, and I didn't know it was in the Christian section, but it was. I'm highly spiritual. I don't follow any one religion. Um, I kind of take bits and pieces from all of them, and or all the major ones at least. And uh, this but information can be shared. Yes, that's relevant yes. throughout. This yeah. book is absolutely incredible everybody on the freaking planet <laughs> needs to read this book i like that you say freaking and i say fucking but like, i literally <laughs> that was the first time i've ever said freaking because like, i don't know I, like, anyway everybody on the planet needs to read this book because it changed my life and it talks about the different names for things that people do where they're where they're not respecting your boundary or you didn't set any there was never a chance where you said this is what i handle this is what i don't yeah. this is what i believe in these are my deal breakers. Because if we don't have deal breakers, how far are we willing to let people push us? Exactly. How far are we willing to allow ourselves to diminish our own value? Yeah. Because it's just as, as prevalent. Mm-hmm. You know, people pushing on our boundaries and us allowing them to. Or maybe we're doing it to other people and we don't even know it. Right. You know? I got that book on Amazon. It was only like $15 paperback. So super easy to find and buy. Um, and I still need to read it, <laughs> it's, but it's, I'm working on it. <laughs> I wrote notes in literally every page. Yeah, I'm um, excited. It was so good. Because I need to get better about that, you know. I really, I really do, and I know I need to get better about it. You're, you've been helping me, so I appreciate that. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to touch on with that experience you had? Your yeah, your I mean, attempt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was um. You know, I was in, they brought me in in a wheelchair because I was so weak, right? And he was trying to scare me the entire car ride. He was like, well, I mean, he said like three things. He said, you know, they're going to make you pump your stomach. It's going to be horrible. He was trying to like freak me out, even though I'm like, I'm actively, it feels like I'm actively dying right now. So that's probably not the best thing to be telling somebody who's freaking the fuck out and just try to take their own life because of you. Um, And then... The other thing was, uh, you know, he said, like I said, he said, uh, have you, do you have any idea what this would have done to me? And like, yes, I get that. That's kind of valid. However, also something that you probably don't say to somebody when they're experiencing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, they, they were like, did you try to throw up? And I said, yes, and nothing came up. They're like, okay, well, it's already digested. There's nothing that we can do. You know, we just have to give you IV mm-hmm. fluids and you're going to have to wait it out. And that's what happened. I was in there for a few hours. They gave me that wristband, you know, and the paperwork. And I actually still have that wristband from eight years ago. Uh, Just as a reminder that, like, after that moment, I never allowed somebody that control over me. I promised myself that I was never going to give somebody that much power. And it really helped embolden my spirit and, you know, my sense of self and... And I carried that, you know, I carry that with me and I, it's, I don't believe, I don't see it as an armor. I just see it as a law for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm not intimidated by anybody anymore. Yeah. Having faced that moment was more scary than anybody could put me, you know, anybody could provide me with. And nobody is worth you hurting yourself. Oh my God. That's another one is what is my, that's another reflection of what is my value. Yeah. And worth in this life. Yes. And like. I mean, Christ, to think about how many incredible people you've met in that I've met, years, yeah. but, but to also say for myself, how many people that I've positively impacted Absolutely. and that wouldn't have happened if that, I mean, like right. 
helping my best, one of my best friend Lexi, you know, talk to this boy who was really all about her. And he wanted, you know, he knew that we were basically the same person. And he was talking to me on Facebook Messenger to see like, you know, what do I say? How do I don't know how to interact. And like, I suggested that he buy the five love languages book. He I bought love it for that book. himself and he bought it for her. What's they read your it love together. Language? Or it's usually two, but do you, yeah. do you remember? So mine um, is like affection and words, words of validation. So touch or touch and yeah. um, words, of words of validation. Interesting. And go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was. Uh, I actually didn't even read it when I told them to get it, but yeah. I knew that it would help I them. I mean, you get the idea. But I get yeah. the idea. And like, <laughs> so anyway, like two months later, I can't remember, Lexi, you know, correct me later, but it was however much time later, they ended up getting married. And I was oh, the only so like non-family member invited to their wedding. And I felt so, so honored and so blessed to have, you know, this family in my life. Yeah. And I had known her, you know, she had gone through me uh gone through the whole um ex-boyfriend thing you know before I had attempted suicide because I was going through training with her for like seven months in Pensacola and and she was the one who like would hear about all the fights that I would have with my ex and like and you know my one of my really good friends one of my besties from Colorado his name's Guillermo he told me on the phone because he had been with me since before I even came out you know he was my bestie in high school and he was like this is going to end in tears for you and I remember that line on the phone because it was it was when I found out the first time that you know my ex had cheated and it was like a huge betrayal because it was a giant lie that he covered up with a ton of more lies you know and then I just those relationships, the relationships that we have with those people and the, the little things that we do, you know, you never know if you give a stranger a compliment, how that's going to sh- shift their entire fucking life. Absolutely. Uh, if they feel invisible and you say, girl, I, your skin is flawless or I love your hair or that I outfit is dope. I love complimenting people. You see them light up. Well, and it's and like, it's beautiful. It is and beautiful. And it's genuine. We should be nicer to each other. It, it takes zero fucking effort no. to be kind. We're all the same, you know. Zero effort. And it, especially if I see a woman who's, you know, it's noticeable that she put effort and like thought into what she's wearing and you could tell she feels good about herself i will fucking cross the street to tell her how hot she is and if they think i'm hitting on them whatever but i just like it it's not done enough and it should be done more often and like you just said it really does change people's lives and like i made it i agreed completely i made it a practice actually that's awesome i I did this I did this, uh, man, I was back in Minnesota, so it was over four years ago, but I made it a rule. If I noticed somebody and I was caught by someone, if I was at a party or I was at a bar or I was at a club, if I noticed somebody and I was like, oh man, they put their, like, I was like, like I was fired up for it. I was, I was so excited that like this person clearly like put themselves together. They're feeling it. They're killing it. They look snatched, you know? And... (laughs) I made it a point, I made it a rule for myself that before I left, I would approach that person 
and introduce myself and tell them exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Because it doesn't take anything. It literally, it like, that's that's actually how I met, uh, made some really good friends here in L.A. When I first mm-hmm. came out here, I was at Summer Tramp. One of the, you know, like, really cool dance party with a bunch, of, you know, these DJs that switch out every hour or so. And it's outside, and there's this guy that I met that I'm still friends with from three years ago, you know? Yeah. And, and it's so cool to be in those places. And when you put yourself out there, it, you're not losing anything. No. You know, like... You never know You're who that person could be to you. love with other people, which exactly. is a beautiful thing. Completely. So, yeah, let's... What about your experience? Like, what what led you to... Well, I have never um, actively attempted suicide. Mine was very premeditated, and it mm. was actually recently. So, at the, what, uh, the relationship I was just talking about um, was... It'll be too... Well, it's been over two years since the relationship ended. Um, and then he actually ended up passing away. So um, last, it'll be two years in June. Um, so it was a lot. I mean, trying to process that, the relationship, the toxicity of it, the um, physical, mental, and emotional abuse that went along with that. And then he died. And then... Not only did I feel guilt because I felt like I was responsible for that. It's like, what's where's the closure in that, you know? Um, and I was actively trying to help him get sober when he overdosed on seven different drugs. So it really did fuck me up. Yeah. And not to mention, I got to see how people acted after he died. People who called themselves his best fucking friend, not there, acting a fool. I'm not going to go into detail but it was just really disgusting. And to see how people are when someone dies is... Well, and to see, to, to see the type of people that addiction yeah. helps you, um, helps gravitate toward you. Yeah. And, you know, for people to say that, that, you know, this is my best friend and then act a certain way around it, I mean, that really goes to show their character and the kind of people that they surrounded themselves with. the people that I thought were going to be supportive who just weren't. So, I mean, that's a whole nother episode, I feel like. like But I'm just trying to give you guys a frame of reference. Like, after he died and I had went through all of that, um, I was in a really bad place. I didn't like my job. My boss was, I'm pretty sure, also um, probably had narcissistic traits for Mm. sure. I was lonely. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to fucking be here anymore. I mean, death is something that I've experienced with my dad dying 14 years ago. I, I'm starting to understand it more now with research and everything. But I was, I couldn't pick myself up. And I felt like anybody that... You feel so alone. You feel yeah, so isolated Even from the people that I thought that would understand or would be there for me, they didn't know how to be there for me. And that's when we talk about grief... And on one of our, like, episodes solely about that, I really want to, like, try to give people advice on how to be there for someone who's grieving because people don't fucking get it. You feel it in your body, and shit doesn't make it better. And The only thing that you can really do for someone is, is to be there yep. no matter what. You don't even have to You don't talk. have to say anything. Yeah. It's just being there. You have yeah. to show up. That's what a friendship is all about, and this is what pisses me off about people who so readily throw away a relationship, it's in the moments of crises 
yeah. that your friendship is actually being put to the test. It's not the easy shit. It's no. not going on hikes. No. It's not little kikis. It's not little adventures. Right. It's the lows. And that's what the it's relationship, the loss. friendships, it's all of it. It's sexual ab- abuse. It's domestic violence. It's emotional violence. It's whatever. It's I need you now. This is what you signed up for. This is the the whole relationship. This is what we built up to. These moments of like, I need this. And I need this from you. And this is me being vulnerable. Yeah. And I hope that you take care of that. And it is a hope. Because mm-hmm. every relationship that we have is, is, a, is a contract, basically. It's yeah. saying at some point, this is going to end. We don't know when. But during this time, in our experience together... You agree to be there for someone else to whatever capacity. And I thought that I had those quote unquote contracts with several people, right? And they like to say nice things. Some people don't know how to follow through. I felt more alone than I've ever felt in my life. And also I was not on, I decided to remove myself from social media because I just thought it was a bunch of bullshit because everyone wanted to share their remorse for him and post pictures of the went at parties with him. No, like half of those people weren't fucking there for him. No. And when he was crying out for help on basically killing himself every day, they no one was fucking doing anything. They wanted so to be a part of the party. No? I had to just remove yeah. myself, which totally. further isolated myself. Um, and I remember reaching out to someone I can I considered my best friend and I was scared and I told her I said you know I really want to see you and she had had a baby recently so I was like I'd love to see you and the baby um but I need to see you like I'm scared for my life and I didn't think I had to like spell it out I kind of thought saying something to your best friend like I'm scared for my life would be profound enough i mean that is spelling it out (laughs) i mean honestly that is saying uh, yeah and so i mean i wasn't being hunted by a serial killer i was scared i was going to kill myself and maybe i should have just said that but because of my past i was locked up in a rehabilitation boarding school for 18 months of my life from the time i was 14 to the time i was in you know in my 17s so i'm very i get very nervous talking about things the where i feel like someone's going to take my freedoms away from me again. So sharing suicidal thoughts have always been really scary to me because I know I'm an adult and no one can just come and take me away. Lock you up, right. But that's a genuine fear. Because it, it happened. It happens to me. And so it's scary. And it's happened to a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> so when that happened with her, I I couldn't fucking even believe it. I couldn't even understand how someone because it makes you question yourself yeah and then not to mention because i was so sad all these people you know were just they didn't understand why i was so sad about someone who was so mean to me well had moments of being extremely mean to me it's about how you were affected not so they were pissed that i was so grieving like grieving this person who that's selfish wasn't good to me and they couldn't understand why I couldn't get over it. Take... I had people fucking Ugh. texting me, telling me, we just want you to refocus. While, mind you, I'm working all the time. I was going to the gym every single day. I was depressed as fuck, yes. But telling someone in that state of mind to refocus when you're off fucking, you know, 
doing whatever the hell you're doing, most likely doing drugs, don't come at me like that. You right. have no fucking idea what I'm doing. Just because a bitch is sad. And it's okay to not be okay. And that was my issue. Yes. Everyone was, are you better yet? Okay, cool, girl. Because Let they want a resolution because they want to go back yeah, to the party. Because they're uncomfortable. Exactly. Everyone's uncomfortable with death and grief. It is uncomfortable. But only being there for someone when they get better, are you better yet? Right. Is the most Defin- hurtful thing that you can possibly do to a human being. Well, it's the definition of a fair weather friend. Yeah. It's, it's telling you that... You're not valuable enough for my time, my affection, or my help Yeah. if you don't meet these conditions. That's what conditional love is yeah. or conditional friendship is. Because when we talk about wanting unconditional love, a lot of people don't know what goes into that. And what that actually means. Unconditional means... And are humans even capable of that? Well, I mean, like, <laughs> think about the, the wedding vows in sickness... Or in health. Yeah. Like, you're sick when you're grieving. Yeah. You're sick when you're when depressed. You're, depressed. Yeah. you're sick you when... You can't just turn a light on and be happy again. It right, like, wouldn't that, that be way, great, you know? Right. I mean, and like, I have bipolar disorder, and so <laughs> when, when I was hitting those lows... Mm-hmm. Nothing anybody said would make me feel better. Yeah, it's you know? a chemical thing. Yeah. I was in um, a 12-step program for sex addiction, and I worked the program for three years. I was going every single Monday and Tuesday for a year straight. I was a secretary of the meeting. The meeting, you know, I think at one point I had seven months sober, but when you relapse, you know, they say like, "Oh, well, you know, it's the same with the suicide hotline." Well, why didn't you know? Why didn't these people just call the hotline? They would have had help. Because at a certain point, you don't want Get, help. You don't fucking care about the hotline. I didn't care about the hotline. Exactly. Every single day, I would sit at my laptop, and I, 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 it was very premeditated, and I am not glorifying this in any shape or form, so if you're She's listening... Just explaining her I'm circumstances. I'm just explaining my circumstances. I, you know, thought about every option that I had, weighing the good and bad very like analytical almost totally. like what are the pros of doing it this way what are the cons where are you going to do it who's going to find you are you going to have any personal belongings with you are you going to write a letter i mean yeah and i had i don't i don't have like a ton of assets but i had a will written out on my computer i was getting ready to send like passcodes to people that i knew was was going to need them i um googled direct cremation so autopsies and shit wouldn't be done i looked into getting the paperwork for that but every single time i looked into any of this stuff all i thought about was my mom and i couldn't fucking do it like to make her to to make someone and even the friends or anybody that was close to me to make them feel what i was currently feeling I just couldn't do that to someone else. And obviously when you kill yourself, you're doing that to however many people that have been impacted by you in their life. And I know it's literally the most selfish thing you can do, but I, I, I woke up and I went to bed every single day and I just wishing I could disappear and not hurt anybody. Hating yourself. I just wanted to I go away. Myself. Yeah. I wanted to go away and not have anybody care. <laughs> Like, but they did, right? And so I had to fucking figure it out. And 
it wasn't easy and it didn't go away overnight. And to say that I'll never think about what that might look like ever again. I mean, I can't promise that. Being a human is it's, it is ebbing and flowing. And that's why I want to talk about this. Like people hear the word suicide and it's like, ew, they cringe, they jump across the room and they want to shut it down. If we shut people down from talking about this... How are they supposed to get better? They don't. And that's what's scary. And I wish that I had, like, opened up more about how premeditated it was. But like I said, I was fucking scared because people, if they've never been there, don't get it. Mm-hmm. And then they... it, it People are so stunned by the word, they instantly just try to, like watch you and like do all these things that don't help and yeah it's the hard part is when I was in that place and you know when I was in any one of my depressive episodes all I wanted was for somebody to fucking hold me yeah but I didn't want to talk to anyone right like (laughs) I wanted I wanted so desperately for one of my friends to pick up the phone and call me and check in on me because nobody would yeah. I mean, in my mind, there might have been, you know, people, but like, that's the whole process is I wanted somebody to reach out to show me that they cared mm-hmm. and I couldn't make people care. And right. that's what was so hurtful yeah. is that it felt like I didn't have anyone and, and that feel like everything else was so yeah. overwhelming and like, right, exactly. It felt like something was wrong with me. That like, people weren't reaching out exactly. to you, that people weren't loving you, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and <laughs> coming out of that space is hard because it is a selfish way to think. Yeah. It is the whole idea of like, well, what about me? What about me? What about me? In the w- most weird backwards way, it is selfish to, to be thinking about those things because it's like, well, what about what you can do for... It's being of service. Like yeah. for me, the meaning of life is connectedness mm-hmm. and being of service. And like, we're all eternal students. We're all constantly learning, but we all have something to give. Yeah. And... If we can place out any one of our passions with purpose, we're unstoppable. But if we allow ourselves to get caught up in this stupid bullshit of like, why am I not good enough? Why don't they like me? It's like, it's not about being liked. It's about following who you are and finding that every day and figuring that out every day. And because you nobody knows. What exactly. All of a sudden you level up and you yeah. keep getting better and you keep doing more and you keep doing more for yourself. And by doing so, you do more for others. I mean, it's what this whole podcast is about is like sharing yeah. these stories with other people so they don't feel alone and like, and to I've help always, people give a, vo- get a voice. Cause I've always been really open about my life, my traumas, it, like, Same. It, you know, in talking to you and like some of our other friends, it's so easy, but to think about going on a podcast that can be listened to anywhere around the world and people hearing this stuff, it's kind of like. It feels powerful. It's powerful, you know? And I and then, it, you know, I always thought about doing something like this, but I was like, oh, I mean, it's kind of sketchy, some of my life, and, like, some of the things I'm going to be admitting to and mm-hmm. saying, it made me nervous. But, like, I can I see how amazing it is when I talk to people who are close to me about this stuff. So, yeah, I think it's great what we're doing. Well, and it, <laughs> it, I agree, and it adds extra purpose yeah. to... I mean, like I said, the meaning of life to me is connectedness. Why would we go through all of the pain, all of the loss, all of the tragedy, all of the betrayal, all of the hardship, all of the trauma, mm-hmm. and all of the love, all of yeah. the hope, all of the faith, all of the you know, family, all of the chosen family, 
if chosen we're, family. Yeah. Exactly. If we're not supposed to heritage that knowledge, if we're not supposed to be teachers, if we're not supposed to be mentors, if we're not supposed to say to the next person who can't figure this shit out, who's struggling, who's floundering, that, hey, I have some fucking tools. Let me share them with you. I've been through what you're going through. Believe me. Or don't, but follow what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, this is, I'm here for you. It's about being there for each other and truly being there, truly listening, not just asking how somebody's doing. Or well, hope, that's the thing, listening. This, yeah. a pet peeve of mine is when somebody says, and this is a big one for all of our listeners, I hope you're doing well. Oh boy. <laughs> Don't I cannot stand that phrase because, yeah, in, in essence, it's sweet. But that's all it is. Well, it's like if you're already talking to a guy, and I'm just using this sure. as a reference, if you're already talking to someone and you've been chatting and you're like, I hope you have a cute day or I hope you have a beautiful day. I say that a lot. But it's usually to people that I'm already conversating with. Exactly. So it's not so fucking douchey. But it's like if you haven't talked to a bitch you... or a guy in a week and then you want to hit him up and be like, I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving, go fuck yourself. Or if you're, <laughs> if you're a family member who hasn't talked to me in three years <laughs> yeah. and you say, hope you're well. Like, bitch, you wouldn't have to hope anything if, if you just you know, asked how I'm listen. doing. Yeah. That's all you have to do is ask, how are you feeling? Yeah. How many people actually ask you that in a day? Because they don't want to know. They just want, it's like it's you're being Because it's hands at. off. Yeah. It's hands off. Oh, I don't have any accountability. I don't have any responsibility to, well, I don't have responsibility for this it's that person. pass in the buck shit. It's, I get to look good by saying I hope exactly, something for you. Exactly. I'm without, wishing you well. Yeah. Thanks for your wishes, bro. How about your actual attention? And it really you know? chaps my ass when the hope comes from people who have fucked you over already. <laughs> so, yeah. And this isn't just a bitching session. It's yeah. like, <laughs> it, these are truly things that are, you know, people, you well, should I, be mindful yeah, of your words. That's what we're getting back to is mindful of your message. What are you actually saying to somebody? Well, Did you I, put thought into your communicative efforts? With that person. With, any, with anything. Anybody, yeah. Like... Well, are you gonna... ever thinking about what they're going through for a minute? Or well, do you take the, the time to figure be, it out? The whole world would be much kinder and like a, just a more if loving you, place. Right. If before we reacted to fucking anything, whether it be positive or negative, we paused for a moment and asked ourselves, I don't, or even told ourselves, I have no idea what's going on exactly. in this person's life. Yes. Let me not be a fucking asshole. Or let me take a moment. Let me not be as impatient. Like... That person might be having like a diabetic episode and that's why they can't parallel park their car. So instead of making fun right. of them, right. are, are you okay? Right. Like how it, like, like truly, are you okay? Or if you see someone at the grocery store struggling instead of like, I don't know, just being kind. Exactly. And instead of being so frustrated and, you know, eager to jump on somebody's ass about something, send them love. Right. Even as hard as that because, is sometimes. Because so, wouldn't, yeah. But this is the thing. This is what mindfulness is all about. Wouldn't you want that person to think this, to give you the same benefit of the doubt yeah. when you're going through some shit? Like, yeah, I've cut somebody off before. And it was just me in a weird... Like some, I mean, mania can make you do a lot of crazy shit. But like, it's the idea that I would want to be treated with that same respect. And like... Yeah. If you send somebody love, it automatically cuts out all the bullshit. And it's like, okay, I forgive you because we are all human and we all go through shit and we all are forgetful 
of other people because we're so forgetful of ourselves sometimes, or yeah. we're forgetful of other people because we're so too, we're too hyper-focused on ourselves. We can't, we can't get outside of it. And that's where darkness comes from. You know, that's where disease yeah. and illness comes from is we're so hyper-focused on what's wrong with us. We don't give ourselves the time of, to experience what's right, to celebrate how fucking far you've come. Yeah. That's why in my we- weekend wellness challenge video, I was talking about, look at who you were, where you were in 2020, the beginning of the year. Look at where you are now. Look at how far you've come. Look how yeah. resourceful you've had to be. Look how you know successful, like, and success doesn't mean that you're thriving and making money. Success means that you made it through the day. That's right. success. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't get that. Well, yeah, and a lot of especially people just with suicide. Think it's money, yeah. Especially with suicide. Like the tenth leading cause of death last year in twenty twenty was suicide. Well, and how many people committed suicide just by us talking in a, what has it been, an hour? I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, that's just when it like gives me chills, you know? And I was gonna ask you and I want to before I forget. Sure. If what type of message or what would you say to someone who was in your exact same position right before you decided to make that choice to take those pills? Or I want to say like yeah. I want to say that you know or what would hey it's do? not worth it yeah but I was in a place of spiritual depletion I didn't believe in myself right. I didn't believe that I was worth anything. I didn't believe that I, was, that I had value. So even if someone was there so, saying it. So it's hard. It is really hard because it's like, this isn't just, like, suicide. It's not just like a blasé-faire, like, you know, nonchalant action. It's because you are pushed so far that that is your choice. That is what you believe in. That's your religion yeah. is ending it. So if I were to say anything to me before I did it, I would just say, hold off. Like, hold on. Yeah. Just wait. Just take a minute. Like, just take a breath. <laughs> well, and it's kind of like what they encourage in in A programs and, AA pro- and things like that, which... Um, I have my own beliefs about that. But one thing I do like is the whole one day at a time yeah. thing. Yep. When I was in that state is so depressed. I mean, I was so depressed. I, I didn't even look at my own reflection in the yeah, mirror. Yeah. That's how much I fucking hated who I was. I, I couldn't even pick myself up off the floor sometimes. Oh, I know For that. For hours. I, I would lay in bed. Like, I didn't see... The only place I went was the fucking gym. And I went at 3 a.m. So I didn't have to fucking deal with people. And then at my job... It was like earphones in, down, yeah. a running ship. But thankfully, I didn't have, we didn't have a lot of people working yeah. there. So it was very isolating. But, I mean, I try to think about what I would have said and, like, we're done. And I don't, there wasn't anything anybody said that made me feel better. If anything, when they're like, you're loved and life is worth living, I mocked them. I didn't like hearing that. I didn't think it was It was real. a joke. It was because no one felt like me. And I was the only one that felt like me, right? Which is very... Well, and that's why you give somebody space. That's why you hold space for someone to talk about anything. And that's why, for me, and I've been... I mean, I've I've actively been saying this to all of my friends, to anybody. Not even my friend, you know, anyone. Yeah. I want you to feel like you're at home with me. I want you to feel like family. I don't care who you are. There's this meditation that I did the other night. Well, I mean, like maybe it was a month ago, whatever. 
<laughs> but right, it's, it's, exactly, it's still COVID. Time doesn't exist. <laughs> right. But the message was family is everything and everyone is family. I like that. And that was the only message that I received in like the 30 minutes that I was meditating or whatever it was. But it was so powerful because it's like, no, that makes that that's what I believe in anyway. Yeah. I want people to feel so comfortable and so safe with me that they share whatever. And I've had people do that. They just break down and talk about, you know. Uh... Hey, guys. So funny. We <laughs> were recording the last episode and we were just in it so much. We lost track of time and it cut off, cut us off. So we just wanted to finish up wrap up a little bit yeah we're gonna have a part one and a part two so um basically just to wrap up what i was saying is that i want people to feel at home with me you know that i want to f- people to feel like family that they can share anything and the whole point that i was making is that people have you know people do open up when you genuinely you know allow just, it. when you allow it, when you genuinely show concern and and investment in that relationship whatever it is yeah for however long that you've had it so, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, Kate, yeah. <clears throat> is when you were in that place, when you were coming out of it, like, what did you, what tools did you use to help yourself out of that space? Because I knew that you had your mom. Yeah. But it in was my pretty room, much my like you. My roommate was amazing, that. but okay. he, he does, he did work a lot. So, I, I was just alone a lot with my thoughts. And I was, I worked, you know, for a guy, um... We had our, a manufacturing facility, but I was pretty much alone all the time working there too. So, um, you know, I went to the gym. The being physically active and feeling strong has been an important part of my entire life, and um, I'm I can I'm fully convinced that that's what pulled me through. Like I was definitely going through the motions, but without that, I don't know what I would have done. I mean. I'm a believer that... I had to get it out of my body. Since I wasn't able to talk about it, or I didn't feel safe to talk about it, I had to get get it the fuck... Because yeah. it's in there, right? It wants to get out, and I had to do something to get it out. And so two hours of heavy weights every morning at the gym, and then going to work in a physically demanding job on some days at least, right. for at least eight hours a day. And I'm a firm believer that, you know physical dedication helps promote emotional stability it does you know because you have that outlet you have that expression you know it's physical expression or creative expression you know I needed when I was in those places before I even knew that I had tendencies for bipolar like I would draw and then once I discovered my writing I would write and that I mean I've written through literally I have a I have a a work of poetry that was written through an anxiety attack. And that was the only thing that could get me out of it, you know? And, and yeah, you know, there's so many important things that we have to hold on to. Like, I mean, sometimes we just have to understand what we're going through and visualize it to break it down to make it seem less scary like did you have anything that you could visualize like well I mean my mom was you know my mom's dealt with a lot of grief in her life too and when I was really struggling she told me something and it's very simple but very profound to me at least that she said you know every single 
day when you go to bed that you leave this suitcase right by your bedside and it's big and it's bulky and it's ugly you wake up every morning and you have to fucking look at it and it's still there and it hasn't changed form at all and you know you're gonna have to pick it up and walk around with it and people are gonna bump into you or you're gonna bump into people with your suitcase you're going to get stared at because you have this big ugly suitcase with you on some days and then other days you feel okay about your suitcase like it doesn't feel as heavy and people aren't staring at you but it's weird like her saying that it totally made sense because that's grief and that's pain and it, it you are carrying it you around carry it it's like you. a physical thing that you have to fucking deal with every day and I felt like over time my suitcase turned into a backpack, mm-hmm. right? And then the backpack turned into a purse. And I know that sounds silly, but it's true. Like no, over beautiful. time it starts to fall away and it's not as awkward. And instead of feeling like it's getting in everybody's way, you have this little bag of tools now. Right, exactly. It's only you left know? with the things that have helped you through it. And then you get to carry those around with pride. like this To is, help other people. This is my tool bag, you know? And this is how... I got rid of the suitcase Mm -hmm. or, you know, or shrunk the suitcase and like, yeah. So it's, I love that she told me that story or told me that because that's what she used to tell herself when she was dealing with, you know, the grief of my dad and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And I think if I think back on it, like the things that I had to do recently, I mean, I have three mantras. I already said the first one is, and then what, you know? Right. The second one is, if I don't want it, I don't have to have it. I really love that one. I love all of them, but for sure. Thank you. Um, so with with the second one, it is so true. Everything that we do, everything that we have is because we choose it. Yeah. And if I don't want it, I don't have to have it. Yeah. And it's so simple, but it's, if you don't want a shitty relationship, you don't have to have it. Yeah. If you don't want to have the job that you're in, you don't have to have it. You can change anything at any moment. Mm -hmm. Technically, we don't need anybody. We choose people. And if you can get out of that sense of like that codependency, you know, whatever, if we can stop getting into that thinking that we require someone to exist, we require someone to function healthily or effectively or efficiently or whatever it may be, we can start getting into more of a healthy behavioral set, you know? And I think what I had to do, um, my third mantra, getting into it, is, you know, I say it when I don't know what else to do. I don't know what the next thing is. The third mantra is just do the next right thing. That's a good one. That might just be taking a shower. Right. That might just be, you know, your nails are nasty and they make you uncomfortable and you think people are staring at them. Cut your nails. Yeah. You know, like simple shit. Like do your laundry. There's 40 pounds of it in your closet that you haven't done because it's been five weeks. You haven't showered in five days. Your dishes are piled up and moldy. Yeah. Your your food is expiring in the fridge. And listen, when you're in that state or you're that depressed... Those little milestones are success. Everything. It's something to celebrate. It's substantial. The and fact that you're doing it, just be proud of yourself for doing anything that betters you or makes you feel better. Acknowledge how far you've come. Yeah. We have to have those milestones, those, those you know, mile markers that say from where you were at this point, you are not long, you're no longer there. Mm-hmm. You're evolving, you're growing. Be happy for those moments. Yeah. Be happy for the fact that you have legs and you can walk. Or if yeah. you don't, you have a life, you have or a heartbeat. try every time you're in the shower to just say, I'm grateful for my body. 
I'm grateful for my legs. I mean, because we take so much for granted, especially when you're in, I feel like a hyper depressed Totally. State. We turn in on ourselves. Oh, we, we're and like, we, we, we fight forget ourselves. that we should be grateful for everything that we have. And once you start reminding yourself is I have this body and it works yeah. and I'm able to do shit I want with it. You're like, okay. And like, look at you Stephen know? Hawking. Uh, granted, dude's a genius, but like he doesn't have his body anymore. <laughs> yeah. But he does have his mind. Mm-hmm. And to, to share so much, such a wealth of knowledge and information from a man who's doing at, like anything he can to help to yeah. share to build to grow to to nourish mm-hmm. and to foster new ideas yeah like the innovation that comes is only because we share it mm-hmm. is only because we put ourselves in a position to acknowledge it and and give it value it already has inherent value but from other people's perspective they can add to it yeah. we we build together mm-hmm. we're a community and the more that you can start to remind yourself that you are part of something bigger, the easier it is to get out of those depressive states. I agree. Yeah. Do you have any questions that you'd like to ask before we close up? No, I just want to encourage if anybody is listening and they've really been struggling with anything like this, I mean, you're always welcome to reach out to us on... The only the only source we have right now is Instagram, but we'll eventually have a website. Um, we'll do our very best to like answer any questions you might have. Just please keep in mind we're not licensed and everything like we mentioned earlier. It's but literally do, on a friend to friend basis. Yeah, but you know we do want to have a place where people feel safe and sharing. That's what this is all about. So please feel free to comment and share your own absolutely experiences and what's helped you too. And again, thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate We're you. We're super excited about this. Yes, yeah. so stoked. And thank you for sharing this safe space with us. And on that note, we will talk to you guys again in another week. Another week or so. Have a great day. Bye, guys. Bye.